Welcome to the Binge Your Bomb podcast with Ellen Sherman and Gillian Gordon. Hello and welcome. We're just two chicks sitting around. Well, we're not really chicks, but you know, <laughs> hi, I'm Gillian Gordon. So generous. <laughs> I have nothing better to do, uh, nor does Ellen Sherman have anything better to do than watch television. So we're going to watch lots of television, whether we love it or hate it. And we're going to talk to you, with you, and get your feedback, I hope, um, on some of the world's most popular streaming TV series. My name's Gillian Gordon. I'm a producer, executive producer, and uh, academic. And that still doesn't make me necessarily qualified. What the hell? <laughs> I think it makes you qualified. Uh, I'm Ellen Sherman, and I'm a writer and producer and documentarian and have worked in television for years. Have pr- produced my share of really good shows and some really bad shows so i think i have a little bit of a handle on what makes good and bad tv yeah as does gillian so that's why uh, we're here to uh, guide you so we're in a noisy little bar cafe in the port of spetsis in greece it's crazy beautiful and you know all the old guys are sitting there they seem to be there morning, noon, and night. So it's like, <laughs> yes, us, yes, us. So anyway, cheers to that. Yes, us. This week, we have three very different series. One is a South Korean series called Crash Landing on You. And then also we have Borgen, which is a long-running Danish political drama series. Um, and we now have a, a new series that's just come out. Very exciting. And also Flight Attendant, which is an American dark, surreal comedy that stars Kaylee Kuoko. So here we go. Crash Landing in You is a South Korean series on Netflix. It's actually based on the real story of a South Korean actress who was taking some kind of leisurely boat ride. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Yes, indeed. It is, tr- it is somewhat true. Uh, I was taking a leisurely boat ride and there was some kind of, I don't know, massive, I don't know, whatever, windstorm. And it blew her and her uh, friends almost to the division of the 38th parallel to North Korea. Well, they were safe, ah. but I guess some really smart person thought this is a great idea for a series. So this particular series takes the time-honored kind of Romeo and Juliet theme and gives it a new twist. And it's it's sort of forbidden love, but forbidden love in the politics of 2022. It starts off with a uh, young, 20-something, adorable, spoiled beyond belief, influencer, businesswoman, daughter of, I don't know, it's sort of the Murdoch's times 10 family uh, who hate each other and they're always fighting. And anyway, but she's established her own business and she is now doing a commercial for her athletic line where she's paragliding in her her athletic jumpsuit that she's selling and she is filming a commercial for it and there's a tornado this very spoiled (laughs) gorgeous girl gets blown off course and crash lands and where does she crash land in a forest in north korea this incredibly handsome tall north korean captain finds her his mandate is now to somehow get her back to South Korea because he knows if he turns her over to his authority, to his superiors, she's going to be suspected as a spy. And so he just wants to get her back because it turns out he's sensitive. He's a nice guy, super smart, son of 
big, big wigs in North Korea, but he wants to just kind of get her back home. He hides her in his village uh, where he's stationed in North Korea. So you get what, what I found fantastic is you get this look in North Korean kind of rural life. And it was written partially by a North Korean defector. So this is somewhat authentic. And so we see the North Korean side of this where there's all sorts of other uh, plots of there's a hidden murder and all this stuff. So there's a lot more going on. But the basic plot is how they start to fall in love, how he has thwarted to try to get her back to South Korea, because in South Korea, where we see the basically the Beverly Hills of South Korea and with her family, they don't, her brothers don't really want her back. Because they don't want her back. No, they're happy to actually to say that she's dead, even when they find that she's alive, because there's a big uh, power uh, fight over their father's empire. The struggle between what's going on in South Korea, what's going on in North Korea, and then the burgeoning love affair between these two, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but the two actors married each other. Two actors married each other? Yes. Even though it's kind of rom-com-y and... I just thought these people were so sweet and such good actors. When I got a little tiresome, I was always able to fall back and seeing. Well, why did it get tiresome? I mean, it, I, it got tiresome for me because what? it, you know, it's eight. How many episodes was it? 17, 16, I think. 16. 16. You know, when it should have been eight, you know, so there's a kind of, you know, the, if they cut it down for a Western audience, it probably would have been a little bit more peppy. It, it kind of, there's a lot of gushy, slow zooms in, you know, kind of romantic, soft focus. The thing that I think we, you know, I really liked about it was the slow burn because these, you know, these people, Captain Ree is incredibly attractive and so is Sun Seri. And I'm, if I'm saying their names correctly. And and so that we, I guess the fact that it's a little bit slow, a little bit corny is okay. You know, there's this uh, supporting cast of characters. It's sort of yeah. very broadly drawn, except I found them, they're sweet. I found the the four guys that are the, the North Korean um, lieutenants. Soldiers. Uh, soldiers. Each of them had a story which was believable which had nothing to do really with being North Korean and had to do with being about young soldiers. And, and they love their captain and bravely follow the, him into the heart of evil capitalism when he goes to Seoul, right? Did I loved the women in the North Korean village. Yeah, there's so in this little village, which is in way up in the middle of nowhere on the near the DMZ zone, um, people are living a very kind of simple, primitive life yeah. with, you know, where... You know, they grow all their vegetables and um, they take care of one another. And this sort of chorus of village women who, you know, jostle for status to bring food to the captain and who are really go, who's this woman, Seri? Who is she? You know, they assume she's a spy, but they kind of she wins them over, doesn't she? You know, I think as a message you know, that possibly the show is trying to give is is that there is a shared humanity. And despite the divide, we, you know, we are we are the same people. If anything, my quibble was that there is this really that's like Voldemort. You know, there's this North Korean guy that seems just obsessed with bringing down the love affair, bringing down the captain, you know, and I found him unbelievable. And I found, you know, I'm not a big fan of chase scenes. So I found there was a little bit too much of that at the very end. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they were trying to cover too much territory yeah. from a storytelling perspective. Then they have these weird vehicles 
that are meant to be like really dangerous, which looked slightly ridiculous to me. Obviously, there's a lot of silliness in it, but the point is it's colorful. It's beautifully shot, isn't it? I mean, it it is rich in 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 all of the details in terms of the production design. The actors are all superb. And you know the best thing about the show, truthfully, is that you can go to sleep after you've watched it. What? I mean, yeah, I was like <laughs> half of the shows that are on television, I, I I have to I stay up till three in the morning because they're, they're terrifying. I, I can't watch the scary stuff. Oh God, you're, I'm happy with the scary stuff. This is so sweet. It'll, it won't put you to sleep, but it'll allow you to go to sleep. So what do you think? I, I just thought this is terrific. So definitely binge. If you are not diabetic and <laughs> don't mind sugar coating and, you know, as I said, gushy, you know, slow zooms in, then... It's really a fun, it's a fun watch. So I would say binge it. So each week we're going to come to you from one of our favorite watering holes, which means even if we can't be there in person, I mean, we're not actually there obviously right now, but we think each of the places we're going to bring to you is a great setting to discuss anything. And every bar we go to has a big screen where we can watch Whatever show we feel like watching. So we're in a noisy little bar cafe in the port of Spetsis in Greece. It's crazy, beautiful. And, you know, all the old guys are sitting there. They seem to be there morning, noon and night. So it's like, (laughs) yes, us, yes, us. So anyway, cheers to that. Yes, us. Next up, an American series from HBO Max, Flight Attendant. Flight Attendant is a dark, comic, surreal thriller based on the 2018 novel by the same name by Chris Bojalian. It's it's a hugely entertaining caper. Flight Attendant was executive produced and stars Kaylee Cuoco, who was Penny in The Big Bang theory. Remember her? I actually never watched the Big Bang Theory, but I will take your word for it. And the second series has just been released in April of this year. In the first series, flight attendant Cassie Bowden, who is adorable, she's a crazy alcoholic who knocks back, you know, those tiny little bottles of vodka you get on the airplanes. She knocks those back nonstop. She just has stacks of them. She knocks them back, knocks them back. She's, But she is pretty and she's likable. Uh, And obviously totally out of control. She meets a hunky passenger, Alex, played by Mikhail Hoisman, who I adore. And and she wakes up in a hotel room in Bangkok with the mother of all hangovers. And she's next to his dead body. His throat is horrifically slashed and blood is everywhere. She does not remember a thing. And obviously afraid to call the police, she cleans up the crime scene as best she can and races off the airport airport to get on the next flight. When they get to Berlin, the FBI interview them and she starts having these crazy flashbacks, fragments of the events of the evening. And at the same time, Alex, the dead guy with the cut neck, talks to her from his bloodstained bed. She has these crazy hallucinations. And secretly begins to think that she killed him. Maybe. So she decides to investigate both her hallucinations and the events of the evening. 
There's a delightful cast of supporting actors played by people like Zoziah Mamet. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Zosia, I think it is. Zosia, uh, David Mamet's daughter, fabulous actress and really charming in this. Rosie Perez, who's fabulous. Cuoco's performance, which she's won a lot of awards for, is outstanding, funny, and compulsively self-destructive. She does manage to pull off to a large extent, some of the plot silliness. However, in series two, I'm not entirely convinced. The thing I like about the sort of artifice of Flight Attendant is this surreal quality. I, I kind of didn't buy the plot of, of the second series at all. I really, really enjoyed the first. I still like the character. I hate the series. I really <laughs> hate it. Uh, first of all, this is not a new plot. I have seen it at least a couple of times. I'm sure at least two. Somebody who's had like a, you know, like a wild night with somebody and then they wake up and, oh my God, they're dead. So already it's, to me, it's 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 uh, hackneyed. I hate to sound like Debbie Downer. I don't think being an alcoholic is particularly funny, um, especially. No, though, and I don't think, I don't think they make it funny. It is, I think it's, they do. It's, you think, think so? They, absolutely. I think. So we disagree on that. Do they make it ha-ha funny? Like, oh, it's great to be dysfunctional. No, but nobody seems to acknowledge, including her best friend, who, by the way, has bottles of vodka that she dips into when she goes to her house. And the best friend says nothing, that everybody seems to enable her. And, oh, there she is. She's but she's a party girl. I mean, come on. You were once a party girl, no, no, Ellen no, Sherman. Is, no, and you I used was, to like drink and get shit face just like everybody else. No, but That's I didn't, what she is. I didn't show up routinely late to every single flight because every, <laughs> she comes to every single flight and it's, oh, whatever her name is, is late again because she was drunk. And so she manages, you know, they put her together and they fluff her up. Yeah, no, 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 look, you're right. And she doesn't take it seriously. Also, I found nothing about what happened in this entire thing, believable or plausible. First of all, her first instinct when she finds a dead body is to run. Then her second instinct is when the FBI confronts her is to lie to them. She goes to the funeral where everyone she's trying to avoid, including the FBI and some other people, this is like by the third or fourth episode, is going to be. So nothing she seems to do makes any sense whatsoever, even in the universe of fantasy, rom-com, adventure thriller, whatever, whatever. I kind of liked her in the beginning, but this kind of character of the party girl that's kind of frazzled and, oh, I'm such a crazy person and I'm so damaged, but I'm attractive and amusing. I, I've i seen it. I'm not interested in her. The- I think we all love to see uh, people who take it further than we would ever take it. Yeah, I, I am totally on board with that. But when it's some cutesy pie kind of gossip girl, this girl's not interesting taking it further. And the, and the well, I think the show's that. really, you know, I think it's really interestingly done. I think actually, you know, trying no. to do something surreal. And I, I didn't read the original book, so I don't know whether it was in the book. I thought Rosie Perez was ridiculous. Yes, I can argue with the character that's supposed to be a mother of a mother and a wife and somehow randomly thinks it's okay to make some money by betraying her husband and selling secrets to a North Korean guy that has approached her. So that to me is a character. I'm sorry, from the beginning, I don't believe her. I'm not sympathetic with her. You got to give me something to hold on to that says I, 
I like you. I can understand why you did what you did. Oh, I think I think it's an awkward, uh, I would say an awkward arc that sort of, or detour maybe is the right word uh, from the main plot and probably completely unnecessary, you know, because I think there is something incredibly appealing about Rosie Perez, the actress. So obviously it's a bomb for you, right? It's, what do I think about this? Huge bomb. <laughs> so I, I think I think it's actually more interesting and and it's quite a stylish series one. Second series was not so taken by it. So I would say binge series one and and if you like that, then go to series two, but think twice maybe. So sort of half binge. Next up, Borgen, the Danish political series. Some say House of Cards or The West Wing would be setting the bar for political dramas. But then there is the Danish series on Netflix called Borgen. The first season was broadcast, I think, in like 2010 to 2011. And then the third, I think, 2013 or 14. So we haven't we haven't had it for a long time. I think. The fourth season is the best. Um, and I, I must say, I'm not the only one, apparently, as I was reading. Let's hope this is true. But Stephen King is a big fan. So uh, <laughs> it, it's it's definitely translated over here. And apparently, Borgen, the actual word in Danish means castle. And it refers to an actual building, one building, which is the headquarters of the parliament and the Supreme Court and also the prime minister's office. So it's it's the most important building, isn't it, in, in town? Yeah, and it actually looks like a fortress or a castle. I mean, it's quite mammoth and solid. Pretty looking. fabulous looking. And this series focuses uh, on a character called Birgit Nyborg, who over the first three seasons becomes the Denmark's first female prime minister. She also has a very well-delineated, I think, private life with a smart, handsome professor husband and two kids that she definitely knows she's neglecting. And by the way, she's played by Sensei Babette Knudsen, who is amazing. Who's amazing. And I didn't know that you knew this. She is one of the supporting leads in Westworld. So she's got the best smile of any actress I've ever seen. I know. And this series is kind of a soap opera, political soap opera, interweaving the maneuverings of one woman's drive to steer her country while battling the press and balancing her duties to her family. But in this season, she's become something of a vocal advocate for the environment and for thus for her country abandoning investment in and use of fossil fuel. But then she's told they found oil in Greenland, which is a district of Denmark. Moreover, Greenland has made a drilling deal with China, who are all too happy for this business opportunity and also to now have an outpost in this Western country. It's crazy. You've got the Americans, you've got the Russians, you've got the Chinese, and you've got the Danes all rushing around trying to grab everything. And also don't forget that Greenland is uh, Inuit territory. So the people of, of Greenland have been fighting for freedom for a very long time. But stopping the deal, which is her is Birgit's initial feeling, would mean a huge finance, financial loss for Greenland and probably for Denmark. And her, her trying to keep a green agenda, which seems to be near impossible and it turns out it is doesn't she yeah it is near impossible she comes back to it in the end yeah right but you see the interplay of the the political dictates of what you should do what you must do what's politically expedient 
what will keep her in power, because it's all also about a woman who's balancing being a person and also being a power powerful figure and a politician. As you say, it's important to watch the series because I think you'll see the ups and downs of that. I mean, she, you know, her relationship with her husband ends, her her relationship with a lover ends, um, her kids, you know, are pissed off. I mean, there are there's a huge cost to her success and becoming the, you know, she creates a party, but she's one of those people that like the West Wing, she's the prime minister you kind of want, isn't she? It's it's somewhere between West Wing and House of Cards. Because in West Wing, I thought everybody was almost too, too good. Too good. This is, I mean, yeah. who, who could fault Martin Sheen as your president, you know? Yeah. And of course, Kevin Spacey is the devil incarnate. I think what's interesting in this series is that I don't remember her having this sort of dark the darkness as much as this. And that's maybe why you, you like it so much. I thought it was a little bit cliched that kind of, okay, she's been so good. She's got the nice smile. She's now, she's actually now going to be bad. She gets a, a bad, a kind of quite an evil figure who almost ruined her life completely. Oh yeah. the uh, um, I did not believe her hiring this Mephistophelian character to do her social media. It's more like a Steve Bannon, actually. Yes, Steve Bannon. Excellent. I think that they're pushing it from a storytelling perspective. I think they were pushing it a little bit. In this case, she's become somebody that her great, loving, adorable teddy bear mentor fears now. And so she realizes that she's gone to the other side. To the dark side. It took a little bit of time for me to understand the Danish political system. But don't be put off by the fact that you don't understand exactly politically what's going on. You can't let that bother you. Um, well, I'm just I, I, I this is just a this is just a caveat to our American listeners who I, I don't want them put off by that because you stick with it a little bit and you'll get it. The real core of the story is not it's not a uh, it's not a, a political lesson on the system that Denmark goes by. It's a story about people in power. But I think I think the thing that I had a difficulty with on this was that I felt like, you know, OK, now there's a woman prime minister. She led the way for a new uh, prime minister who who is now in position and who she doesn't get along with terribly well. And then we have the the former PR person, Katrina, who is now uh, the head of problem? news. What was your problem with and, that? And she's having, I'm, I think it's like, oh, you know, women who are in these positions of power, all of a sudden everything comes crashing down on them. And I think that was a bit, that felt a little heavy handed to me. So what do you think? I, I felt that this new series ha- had some flaws, but but definitely binge. I definitely say binge. Coming up in episode six, we'll be reviewing a deeply strange Australian series set in a psychiatric hospital called Wakefield. Then a first for us, a uh, Polish series called Queen. And then The Tourist, another Australian series, with someone who was turning out to be actually quite an interesting actor, Jamie Dornan. And we really, really want you to give us your ideas for shows to review or send in your favorites or the things that you hate. Um, we or have love, or love. Address. Yeah, love, love or hate. We have an email address, which is bingeorbomb at gmail.com. And follow us at Binger Bomb on Instagram. And you can also find us right on Spotify, Apple, and where else? And Google Podcasts. All right. And next week, let's just pick up where we left off. Talk to you later.